2: Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber is in Los Angeles today at the Milken Institute Global Conference. He'll have interviews with the CEOs of Goldman Sachs, Apollo Global Management, and Carlyle. Meantime, futures indicate little bounce from Friday's brutal sell-off ahead of a big week with the Fed meeting the jobs number and a third of S&P earnings. We are going to begin with that new trading month after an April to forget for the bulls. The Nasdaq taking the biggest beating, down more than 13% for its worst drop since October of 2008, Jim, a month that historically is strong for markets, not this time.
3: Look, uh, I just think that there was a big give up last week, and I was hoping that maybe uh, Warren Buffett would be able to give you a little bit sense of calm. There is obviously no. I think that the calm is gone. I think people feel that this is the beginning of a major repeal. Uh, I want to know what happens if bonds stabilize, what happens if the Fed makes a move. And whether you, you shouldn't be thinking about buying a little. We've held off, got a nice cash position from Chapel Trust. We've agreed, time to start buying. Why? Because that Friday was so hideous, Carl, that I cannot believe that that wasn't an event that smelled of capitulation. Right. Well, speaking of cash,
2: uh, Buffett's cash position has rarely been higher than it is right now, at least right. as a percentage of the investment portfolio.
3: Yes. I mean, look, I, I found. There was a little bit of disconcerting. Uh, the attack on Robinhood by Munger, I mean, that's you know, kind of worn thin.
2: Saying that God was being just in Unraveling? Yeah, I just,
3: I just think that these are, it's too harsh a judgment. Uh, crypto has made a lot of people money. Uh, David, you know that when you blast something that has made a lot of people money, that's not Robinhood, but it's crypto, it leaves you thinking, well, maybe you're just not part of the, the current firmament.
0: Yeah, I hear you, Jim. Uh, and, you know, I, I have refrained from discussing crypto a lot, in part because I'm still tr- struggling to fully understand it. But there's something that I have sort of understood at this point, which is whatever your opinion may be, and obviously we know Mr. Munger's when it comes to Bitcoin and the currencies, the underlying architecture, Jim, and I know you know this, is here to stay. Uh, blockchain is a significant part and only going to grow in terms of what it means for the ability to do oh, so many different things in terms of transactions and so many other things. NFTs and tokenizing or whatever the verb you want to use here, that's true. That's here to stay, too. And this is being institutionalized. So the underlying infrastructure that is being created for crypto, that may be way more important than whether the currencies are valid or not.
3: Yeah, look, uh, David, I am sure when you speak to people, you've got the best people out there. And if you were to ask them about crypto, what they'd be thinking is, our customers want it. Our clients want it. Our investors want it. They're not going to say, yep. so therefore, all those constituencies are wrong. David, they can't do that.
0: No, you're, ab- you're absolutely right, Jim. And, and in fact, last night at dinner here, there was a presentation, a panel uh, discussion on crypto. Uh, and there was a large institutional money manager there talking about that very fact. Uh, this is here to stay. Um, you know perhaps it is generational in nature to a certain extent in terms of our unwillingness or inability to fully understand it but it's here and it's not going anywhere and it's only going to grow again separate conversation perhaps from what bitcoin is worth but as for that underlying architecture as for nfts as for blockchain that's only going one way jim
3: yeah i mean carl i think that they're out of touch out of touch in this you may think it's worth nothing, but they would tell you it's worth what. If it was nothing, it's worth what people are paying. And uh,
4: do
3: I like it? It doesn't matter whether you like it. It's not about liking. It's it's just. I mean, do I like the fact that a De Kooning can sell for a hundred million? Well, I don't know. I don't want a De Kooning. Uh Do I like the fact that Cezans are very popular? It's the same thing. They have. A mar- There's a market for Cezanne, Carl. Yeah,
2: yep. it's true. I mean, Buffett would counter by saying assets need to have some value, intrinsic value, which, well, which gets to the, the, the crux of the whole argument
3: about this particular yeah. asset class. But their inflation comments were brilliant. Inflation is toxic. And that's part of what we're dealing with. Yep. It's why we're all struggling. Right. It's part of what
2: happened last week. Which is why it's interesting today that Goldman um, suggests that we believe the peak for core inflation uh, is now behind us as the surge in goods inflation has likely peaked. Dallas Fed trimmed mean PCE, nice. one of the things we like to look at, and certainly uh, Jay Powell does as well. Uh, looking at one at an annual rate was 6 in January. You think we're over the, over the hill? Uh,
3: there are a lot of things that are coming down. Uh, I was dealing with my commodity expert, Carly Garner, this morning. Just been a lot going on. People looking to hedge inflation or play the war have been using ETFs, which pools money, to buy futures. That is now peaked. Uh, we saw the copper down dramatically. Soy, which is a good substitute for a lot of things that cost too much in the food chain, down. The Amazon event, where Amazon has too many drivers. We are seeing, Carl, some events that tell me don't bet on inflation going higher.
2: So, but you think 50 baked in this week?
3: Yeah, I wish they do 75, if only just because you got to get mortgage rates. The the home builders are still raising prices dramatically. There's a very interesting note about Pulte today saying, don't buy Pulte. But at the same time, take a look at Pulte. They just raised prices 25% year over year. So, I mean, David, you know that as long as housing, they're able to command those price increases, then you still have core inflation too high because housing is such a big part of what people are doing.
0: But the question continues to be, when will it really stifle demand? I mean, are you starting to see it in housing? Is it starting to play through?
3: Um, Yes, because I I think that a lot of people, David, bought, uh, locked in April rates, and now they're using that money to buy homes. Uh, May is a different story. And I think that you're going to see a big drop off in May when you would normally think that spring selling season is good. Because I think that the April lock-in was brilliant. But there can be no Maylock in David, it's just not a good rate.
0: Jim, meanwhile, I mean, I'm looking at names. You know, I was gone last week, as you guys know. I mean, what happened? Our parent company, whoa Disney, we were just looking at. I mean, you go down the list, and obviously, we know what happened with earnings in terms of great growth stories that have stopped growing. Uh, but Jim, just a, just away, not even away, I was working, but away from the markets for a week. And, you know, I will come back to you. What do you do here when growth is obviously no longer in any way in fashion? And by the way, things are not growing that were.
3: No. Well, there was a great piece by David Coston last night uh, talking about how the buybacks have been out of the market. I know the buybacks, you could say that they're uh, artificial, but Costco's P showed you, Carl. You know that they play a big role. I continue the biggest. In the biggest view. Yeah. Yes, the biggest demand. I still think if you buy things that uh, buy companies that make things, do things, return capital, like we saw uh, Kimberly Clark, they didn't have that great a quarter, but they do all those things. Uh, and I just say to myself, stick with those. Uh, you cannot buy the companies that are burning cash like mad. I mean, I've been looking at this Carvana bond deal last week. And while Carvana had to pay 10%, but I think what's really interesting is that there was a a make-good clause. Hey, David, a make-good clause. When have you seen that during this year? And Carvana had it. uh, They upsized the deal. Yeah. But Apollo was in there. I hope you can find out more about why Apollo. Did Apollo go in there because they know that they're made good if the company files bankruptcy?
0: Well, um, it's a great question. And it, as it so happens, Mark Rowan is going to join me only minutes from now. And we can ask him. We can ask him about that deal. Uh, I mean, the paper itself has got quite a yield on it. But, of course, private credit has become an enormous business uh, for so many of these firms. We've talked about it a lot, including Apollo, which is 70 percent credit. But, yeah, you're right, Jim. That was fascinating as that stock is now down 75 percent. and You brought up the, the word, although there's plenty of market cap there still at Carvana.
3: Right. Well, I, I, uh, Carl, I'm looking at the market. I mean, David's right. You step back. Uh, Amazon and Netflix just seem gone. Uh, Amazon was a bad quarter. Okay, there's no two ways about it. It was a bad quarter. Netflix has hit the wall. Uh, Fang is done, and, and I've been trying to carry the torch of Fang for a long time. It, it's done. Mm-hmm. I, got ba- I went over that quarter again, Carl. Which Amazon. One? Amazon. Amazon. It was stunningly bad.
2: Uh, It definitely had a Jekyll and Hyde element. I mean, AWS still in the high 30s, but the operating loss in North America retail, certainly the guidance. Right. we talked about the prospect of layoffs, which you think could actually move
3: macro numbers later this year. Yes, yes. I think that you have a company that, you know, David, Amazon glommed on to a lot of the workforce. And they don't need as many people in the workforce. Did you see that story that that President Biden's having the unions in? (laughs) David, the unions are ascendant right now in this country. And that's another story that we don't talk enough about. Because you, if the unions are ascendant, you, you know that when was the last time? I mean, 1992 when GM tried to break the union? I, I don't know. I mean, we, I we well, said would, the president yeah, said I mean, he was a union I, I, guy. I wouldn't say,
0: you know. So, I, yeah, like five Starbucks and a, and a distribution center for, for, uh, for Amazon are unionizing, maybe, and they're ascendant? I, I don't know, Jim. It's
3: not exactly... Well, uh, uh, our president, an army, there's it, that's a cause, president, one of his causes.
2: Yeah, Indeed. Uh, today, WebBush removes Amazon from its best wow. ideas. List. Didn't really
3: say much more than other than the fact. Look, just read the first six paragraphs of the Amazon report. and You'll say, but I'm a child trust. We sold a lot. But why am I in this? What, what, what's the point?
2: Uh, Given what's happened to S&P earnings yields, which we'll talk about after the break, a lot of people may be asking that same question. When we come back, as we uh, said, David is at Milken today with the CEOs of uh, Apollo Global and uh, Carlyle and Goldman. That's all coming up this hour and next. Take a look at the pre-market here. As you know, uh, April, just a brutal month, and we'll see what we can get May started with, with the Dow futures turning a little bit more green. We're back in a moment.
1: Of course, bonds can swindle the equity investor, too. Everything, inflation, I should say, swindles the bond investor, too. And it swindles the person who keeps their cash under their mattress, it swindles almost everybody. And um, the problem, if you have a business that doesn't take any capital, and let's just say the dollar depreciates 90% or something, so things cost 10 times as much. If it doesn't take any capital, you can charge 10 times as much, and you've kept your relative position. But most businesses take some capital.
3: Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists
2: put people at the heart of everything they create.
0: With half a trillion dollars in assets under management, most of which is in the credit markets one way or another, our next guest has plenty of insight into fixed income and equity markets. Joining me now is Mark Rowan. He's the CEO of Alternative Asset Manager Apollo Global. It's great to have you. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Uh, The markets aren't, at least for those who are long equities and or own a bond fund, uh, something along those lines. I mean, let's just start off on where you think things stand in, in, in terms of on uh, the markets and you, know, you said on the on your last earnings call we've been in a decade-long period where taking risk has been rewarded and I wonder having read that quote whether you still think that's the case or things are changing
5: well, I think the misstatement was the, the word decade actually since 2008 the printing press has been running and that printing press means stocks up rates down and particularly people who took long-dated growth and tech risk were rewarded well guess what that's changed First quarter, equities down 14, uh, credit down 17, and I think this is still has a long way to go. Why? You just look back if you believe in mean reversion. So let's start by saying technology is gonna change the world, but that doesn't mean it's not overvalued. So you look at average S&P PE today, 21, long-term average 16, that's 30% to go. You know, you look at where the S&P is today versus where it was at the end of 19, we have a long way to go. So it is unclear to me that we've seen the end of this. Certainly, the Fed seems deadly serious about getting expectations of inflation under control, which means liquidity is going to come out of the system. And you can see that's going to happen already with their announcement this morning on reducing their balance sheet and rates are going up. Now, you have not been a firm that
0: has chased growth, unlike some others. I think that's fair to say. Uh, You benefit from that in this environment, therefore?
5: Absolutely. I mean look for us purchase price has always mattered uh, and purchase price matters everywhere in the market. So in the equity market it's the kinds of companies you buy and it's the prices you pay. We want growth we're just not prepared to pay for it. So I sometimes joke, we trade perspiration for purchase price. Um, and in the credit markets rather than simply doing the easy thing, we originate. Origination is generally sh- shorter dated, generally more yieldy, and therefore gives us some shelter from rates no perfect shelters.
0: Yeah. Well, tell me about no perfect shelters in this environment, <laughs> because you know I do wonder with yields moving up appreciably, uh, with uh, credit quality
5: is not really in doubt as of yet. But you know, you, uh, what kind of a cycle are we in, Mark? Look, it, it feels like right now we're in a cost of capital cycle, and what I mean by that is the Fed is going to raise the cost of capital. They are going to reduce speculative activity. They're going to reduce market activity. They're going to reduce liquidity. And ultimately, that's going to reduce growth and reduce demand. So far, demand seems to be pretty strong. It looks like we're going to squeak through 22 without a recession. But there's no doubt conditions are weakening. I'm not sure that's a bad thing in terms of a reset. We were running very hot. And it was unclear how much longer it could continue. I want to talk about the credit business that you have, but let me get
0: to the old PE business for a moment if I can, because you do have some insight into what corporations are seeing, given how many companies are in your portfolio, so to speak. So what about that idea of a recession? What are you seeing in terms of wage inflation, in terms of so many of the other pressures that we talk about, supply chain, and on
5: and on? So I think you're seeing, I don't think there are any surprises. Um, So whether it is airline demand, room demand, hospitality demand, industrial orders, it's all in the right direction, meaning demand is still really strong. Having said that, staffing is really challenged. Inflation is there across the portfolio. Long-term investments are being made. Technological shift. And Modernization is happening, but it does feel like we're going to end up with a weakening toward the end of the year, rolling into twenty three now you, I mean when you talk about the PE business, you, know, you, you you've kind of said it's not
0: a growth vehicle for AUM at this point anymore. I have a quote here somewhere that i 'm trying to find. Um, how important does it remain then at Apollo, particularly given this current environment where it's not clear exactly what opportunities may show themselves in terms of what you want to buy.
5: For us, this is actually our kind of market. It feels like, certainly I've been out talking with our investors, they remember, oh, you're from Apollo. You're the guys where purchase price matters. It hasn't mattered for a decade, uh, but it matters now. So this feels like a really good market for what we do. And I expect that we'll be very active in this market. Uh, PE for us is still the intellectual foundation of the firm. But as I've also often said, we run it for rate of return, not to grow it. Right. And I think that is how it has to be run.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, a number of people have said to me, "Listen, Mark Rohn is the most important guy in the LBO world," and it's not just because (laughs) of what you're talking about in terms of your actual investments. It's because of the credit side. Um, You agree with that statement, by the way? Uh, Certainly not. Uh, Why not? not. Uh, Why not? I mean, you guys are not just equity. You know, people may still think of Apollo in that way, but in fact. You're a huge provider of credit. You see that as the growth opportunity for the
5: business, particularly sort of this hybrid area that you've talked a lot about. So what I'd say is the following. Since 2008, an awful lot of credit creation, not just LBO credit, but normal everyday credit, the financing of companies, takes place outside of the banking system. We have been the biggest beneficiary of that, but most of what we do, I call fixed income replacement. Most of what we do is investment grade. It's very poorly understood. But you are right, Um, the traditional role of banks, the traditional role of market participants such as ourselves and some others is changing. As I sometimes joke, we have no permanent friends or permanent enemies. We are just as likely to team up as to compete. And I think you will see large transactions financed outside the banking system. You will see large transactions financed in cooperation with the banking system. And you will see large transactions like Twitter financed exclusively in the banking system. I just think Were the, you
0: surprised, by the way, that that was the case for that?
5: No, not so much. I mean, uh, Elon Musk offers a lot of collateral.
0: <laughs> you, you, At least there was some press. Where I tried to make it clear that if you guys had participated in any way, it would have been on the credit side. Yes. People seem to be misinterpreting. Uh, was that of interest to you as a
5: potential credit? Uh, absolutely. Why? Uh, for the same reason. They're, Twitter and Elon's holdings in Tesla are infinitely bankable. The question is whether it will be a good investment, and that will be what what Elon and the entrepreneurial team does with it
0: from the equity side. We're all wondering what what exactly uh, that's going to be. Um, You you mentioned permanent permanent capital, though, is a key part of your business as well. Athene helps that a lot, I would assume, with the annuity business and what you're
5: bringing in there. So how do you deploy that capital? So Athene, like almost everyone else in the retirement services business, is 95% fixed income and 5% equity. So Athene wakes up every day and they need to generate safe yield. Ironically, safe yield is what every financial institution in this country needs. It's what every insurance company needs. It's what banks need. It's actually what pension funds, endowments, and others need. And what we're seeing take place throughout our client base, whether you're a financial institution or a pension fund, you are looking at the way you traditionally manage fixed income as beta for the public market overlaid with alpha. We used to think that created additional risk, but I think what we and others have shown people is the distinction between public and private is no longer about risk. The distinction between public and private is just about liquidity. And if you can get paid for doing something less liquid, more creative, more structured, that feels like a good place to be in this market versus taking credit risk or duration risk. And or is that some something other. the banks are just not capable of doing? Is that why you're able to disintermediate them? Th- they do it. I mean, you have to remember, we've built a $360 billion business, which sounds really large, in a market where we are like that. I assure you, Jamie Dimon and Charlie Schaaf do not wa- wake up every day wondering what the mighty Apollo is doing. Oh, no,
0: but at the same time, financing an LBO is a lot of fees. I mean, I, you can't completely dismiss it. Now when you look at the group, a lot of times it's Apollo and it's Ares and it's Blue Owl and it's, and it's names that
5: you would never have seen in Blackstone. Absolutely, but if you dig into the relationship, all of us, we actually don't want what the bank wants. So what does the bank want? The bank wants the client. Because we can't sell them equity, we can't sell them M&A, we can't sell them advice, we can't sell them treasury, we don't sell them foreign exchange, and everything else. The bank still gets that. In some ways, having us finance something is almost non-competitive to them. Um, Last year, we financed uh, a massive position for SoftBank for their Vision Fund 2. For banks who are interested in doing business with SoftBank, their ARM IPO or some other form of business they know that Apollo is not a competitor for that business ironically for the banking system it's actually better if something goes to us than to one of their competitors yeah a, a couple of quick final questions here first we got asked for Jim
0: Kramer about the Carvana deal uh, why did you guys step up and what purchase agreed to purchase almost half of 3.275 billion of bonds that they were issuing
5: I-, I always say the same thing we did it because we think we can earn excess return per unit of risk we think there's a great deal to do Carvana we've been invested in for a long time um, equity can be very volatile. I believe the credit of Carvana will be money good. Carvana, like many others, is still remaking their business, and our size as a market participant allows us to just think differently. And here, it was cooperative with Carvana, a cooperative with their bank. a lot
0: of capital to keep that business going, though, don't they?
5: That's okay. It's you're not worried.
0: Not worried. You, you ends up in the right place, up and up obviously, right you're place. getting paid a pretty good, pretty good. Number there to. I'll, I'll call Jim Kramer financing. afterwards and I'll. T- t- will you t- All right. Yeah. Uh, and finally, you know, I know that you mentioned Massa, of course, in that SoftBank deal. You've talked about Massa on one side and Buffett on another. We just heard from Buffett yesterday. I assume you listened to some of I his did. comments. Any thoughts at all in terms of what
5: you heard from him? Look, uh, he, um, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are the two longest standing, most articulate people in purchase price matters, perhaps to an extreme. There's no doubt change and growth and technological shift are real. I think they say it with some hyperbole. It backs up their story in their book. But we have to, at the same time, be cautious. This change can be real, and the purchase price can be illusory.
0: Mark, always a pleasure. Hope we'll do it again soon. Thank Thank you, David. That's great. Nice to see you. All right. Mark Rowan from Apollo. Uh, Don't miss, of course, David Solomon, who runs Goldman Sachs, and Q Lee from Carlisle coming up. Carl, back to you.
2: All right, David, we'll get Jim's reaction to that uh, coming up after the break. Take a look at the pre-market one last time before this first opening bell of the month of May. Squawk on the Street continues in just a moment.
5: Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com.
4: Less than a minute
2: to the opening bell. We're going to squeeze in a quick mad dash.
3: Yeah, I like the fact that Warren Buffett came in about $21.4 billion worth of Chevron. That's a lot. Uh, obviously, there's a big debate between Chevron and Exxon which one to own. I say own them both. One of the things that's interesting, Carl, is that index funds own 413 uh million shares. So now you're starting to talk about a very big base that's not going to trade. And I continue to think that oil, even though China, even though China's not using a lot, hangs in here. And Russia's dumping it at a cheap rate and it hangs in. And I think that's part of what Buffett's looking at.
2: Interesting. Uh, huge questions, of course, as we keep an eye on the Shanghai lockdown. And a potential ban of Russian energy out of the EU. Some reports say may be
3: imminent. Maybe well, some proposals tomorrow. We have to see how much is oil, how much is natural gas. I will tell you this: that India is buying that stuff. Uh, other markets are buying it at considerable discount. Uh, but it does matter to me that I would have thought that oil would be down. The lockdown is so severe that it makes me feel like Carl that there's that, that oil should be at 90. Yeah. And the fact that it's not going down encourages me to continue to buy them for my Chapel Trust.
2: Interesting. Got close to 100 this morning.
3: Yes, Uh, it did. Still Not quite that
2: low right now. By the way, at the big board this morning, Tortoise Ecofin, highlighting the Tortoise North American Pipeline Fund, and at the NASDAQ, A to Z Smart Technologies, specializing in self-checkout technology, celebrating its recent listing. So you continue to be aggressive on energy. I thought you liked Chevron a bit more than Exxon. Oh, well, I'll tell you
3: why I like Chevron. And I spoke to Mike Worth, Mike Worth, by the way, is one of the people who makes himself very available. He really is the dean of the group. That Mike's got this mix of Permian, which is accelerating, and he's got big offshore projects which have long lives. And he has a, a view of exactly he has a pipe coming out across from Kazakhstan. He says, listen, don't worry about that pipe. A lot of people worried about it. But most importantly, he says he can buy back 25% of the company. He has that kind of cash flow, that kind of conviction. You never see that among most executives. So I'm very surprised to see that stock down and for the endorsement of Warren Buffett.
2: Uh, Don't you think that the prospect of recession, which the market appears to be pricing in gradually, ratifies the long-term curve on oil, though?
3: Yes. Um, But, David, I think that when I listen to what people are are doing out there, uh, and I know that, wow, I mean, you know, Apollo is so good. But you've got a situation, David, where there's inflation, and inflation is not going to turn down. You know buying oil versus buying the grains, pretty good deal. Yeah.
0: That sounds that sounds like a a plan. Um, well, do you want to stay, yeah. you know, I I mean back to Buffett, the one he chose to buy a lot of, also don't forget is Oxy. Not just Chevron.
3: Right, it worked. I mean, you know, it's something there is something to be said David about what works and what doesn't. And I bring this up because what a great buy Apple was for them. Uh, I think Chevron's could be a great buy. Oxy was, of course, they got a better deal in the public. But think about what, you know, here they are talking about inflation being toxic, and they're buying a company that is a great hedge to inflation and they have a big position in Oxy. So, David, I mean, I think they're doing exactly what they should be doing, uh, to be true to their word, and they have a lot of cash, and I love that. The only thing, I, the two things I find discouraging are the continual tax on Robinhood and the, uh, the crypto. And I just find those discouraging because it's interesting, Robinhood, a lot of what the, the individuals own is crypto. So you've got this generation that we want to own stocks and index funds, and they're not playing ball, David. They're just not playing ball.
0: Yeah, well, listen, Munger is 98 and Buffett's 91. As I said, it, it can be generational to a certain extent, but you have to listen to everything that they say for obvious reasons. Jim, um, I'm looking at my screen here, which I hadn't looked at in a bit of time. And obviously so many of these, the great growth stocks that we've been talking about are down and down sharply. AT&T is up this year and T-Mobile. I mean, again, back to names that you would want to own in this environment, or do they continue to be sort of something that you'd want to be
3: looking at? Sharetakers. takers I mean, T-Mobile had an amazing sign-up. And remember, now, the broadband's in their crosshairs. I mean, Mike Siebert sat here and basically said, look, we're going after broadband. Uh, the fact that at had good numbers up was very good. David, Verizon's quarter was a big disappointment and, quite frankly, a surprise. I thought that they had uh, more growth. They didn't, David. They are losing share. And it's kind of shocking.
0: Yeah. Uh, it is interesting. It's something that obviously we'll continue to, to watch closely. In addition to what has been significant efforts by the cable companies to develop uh, wireless businesses, certainly Charter and Comcast. But again, those stocks have just been absolutely crushed. Nothing quite like Altice, though, which is worth $4 billion. Jim, I want to come back to you, though, on growth and on what people certainly were talking about on Friday, which would have to include Kathy Woods' ARC funds, um, that Teledoc move, and what that meant. Give me your take at this point.
3: TeleDoc is losing a lot of share to Doctors in Man, which is private. There's also a couple of other outlets that, are, that do this. But one thing I'll tell you, uh, David, that I'm most concerned about with what she's doing, the money keeps coming in. Investors, this is a good piece by Bloomberg, investors still haven't given up on Kathy Wood's arc. And David, the destruction of capital here is something that you and I both have to be very upset about. Uh, people are losing so much money with her that you have to start thinking, when will they stop?
0: (laughs) I don't know the answer, Jim. Uh, It's a good question. Well, Um, Carl. You know, know, I I know, you know, I mean, I can remember, we've talked about them, those great MoMo funds from the late 90s, and right, Van Wagner, all those guys out in Denver, remember, I mean, you know, it, it, this, there is a benefit to having lived for a while, I guess, right?
3: Amerindo, David. Carl. Actually, Amarindo. some good charts going around if
2: you Amarindo. put BRK up against ARC. Uh, we're getting back to flat, going back to 2014.
3: Berkshire versus ARC. Eight years. Well, I mean, the Teladoc, I was speaking with someone, the doctors on demand over the weekend. Doctors on mm-hmm. killing. Teladoc had a giant write-off. The actual verbiage, Carl, of the write-off was not anywhere clear. They did make an acquisition, Livongo. We don't know what that's really doing. We do know this. That's got to be one of the most crowded areas there is. And I don't, as much as I absolutely think that it's a great revolution, there's a lot of companies that are keeping, that are part of the revolution. I don't own any of them. <laughs> you know, Dr. Jermaine is private. And I, but, you know, Carl, we're in this era where what she seems to pick, uh, which you've on know, Kathy Wood, seems cursed. And... and You know, I I don't know what to make of it.
2: Uh, Jim, for the time being right now, uh, the more pressing concern is uh, the S&P back to 41.13. Remember, our prior low for the year, 41.14. Jim, 10 years knocking on the door of three amid these reports of the Japanese selling Selling. treasuries en masse. Uh, One of our biggest holders, obviously.
3: Um, I had thought that there might be a peak this week because I see copper down. Some of the grains are down. Uh, What Really, uh, does concern me is that the, is Ukraine coming back to Ukraine? I mean, it's such a huge part of our food complex. Inflation is eroding the everyday person who goes to the supermarket and looks at what they're buying and has to pull back. They've not pulled back yet, but Carl, it, the inflation situation has to get under control. I would speculate that the speculators have driven up a lot of food. And this was this has been historically the peak this week in grains. And we've got rain coming in our country, but we still are lacking the 13% that Ukraine's uh, putting out there. And I, I don't know. I mean, we're seeing Nancy Pelosi there. Uh, I don't understand why they, Nancy Pelosi is there especially saying, let's send the airplanes. I mean, what is going on to keep one hand tied behind the US's back? If, The most important person in Congress goes over there and says, we got to support these people. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, your point
2: about supply obviously is leading the discussion about potential recession this morning. Former Fed Vice Chair Roger Ferguson uh, on Squawk saying that, in his view, the the likelihood of recession, in part because of supply, is very high. Take a listen.
1: I think a recession is, at this stage, almost inevitable. Um, because they don't control supply, and we've seen how volatile supply can be with the uh, shutdown in China. It's a witch's brew, and the probability of a recession is, I think, unfortunately, very, very high.
2: So, do you think it's about that? You think it's about the Fed, or as you said on Friday, the market pricing and the use of tactical nukes, which is something you've been talking uh, look, about?
3: Look, I don't think he's going to use me. I oh. think that there are people in Russia. I, he, look, when you arrest or when you take money, or there was a, an oligarch who spoke out on Instagram immediately. They were stripped. Uh, I just think that the United States is not going to let this happen. I think the United States will not allow Putin to stay in, because he's not important. Belgium has more exports. Italy is a bigger economy. It's going to stop, and it's going to stop right here, the moment that we give them the planes. And if we don't give them the planes, maybe we give them more drones. I happen to have Aero Environment on tonight. Uh, they can use every single drone. They've got the Switchblade 600, which can take out a tank. Uh, you send them a 1,000, they'll send out a 1,000 tanks. It's just a joystick. You look at the tank and the joystick and you blow the tank up. So this has to happen. I'm surprised. Our president does not seem to keep pace with what every other leader is saying. But, yes, I still think that factored in. Uh, I do think that a recession is being priced in. Carl, I don't think there'll be a recession consumer, consumer too strong. I also think that we, have, once again, are saying, J-PAL, too late, nothing you can do. I'm not buying that either. Uh, we got to right. take mortgage rates. We, he has to take mortgage rates to 6.5. And, uh, and then it's over. The, everything that goes into a house is run away. We get the uh, rains coming for the grain. Grain stops going up. I have warehouser on Friday, got a downgrade today, lumber peaking. I want to see what Home Depot says. But there's a lot of things that we're dependent on drivers. We've got more drivers coming into the market. We still don't have containers, and we still have China offline.
2: For now. And that, <laughs> le- now. And that leaves the – what role do, do, do earnings play at this point?
3: Uh, the ones that have done well are companies that have big dividends that are able to raise price. <clears throat> And that's a handful of companies, not a lot, not a lot. And that's a big worry for me. Uh, the speculative stuff is just breathtaking. How much is down, breathtaking. And the losses, it is. Uh, we, we have, David, I, I, we did some run, uh, Ben Stone yeah. did some a rundown of the losses. I mean, now you're yeah. talking about the IPO since 2019. You are talking about yeah. the, the you know the, the amount from the highs the destruction yep. it's just monumental it's, how
0: much money's been lost it is, monumental. it is listen it is but at the same time i do remember sitting here looking at rivian being a hundred billion dollar company and saying that's that seems kind of crazy um, that doesn't seem to make sense in a lot of ways now that it's a 26 billion dollar company and we've obviously seen the markdowns right when amazon reported when ford reported i don't know i don't know what rivians were um but well. 2972 there's a lot yeah, of Rivian coming to the market, uh... David.
3: Look, you were dead right. You know, like look look at these things. Look at the amount that I mean, I, you know, I just look at it. A firm, uh, Rivian, Roblox, um, Asana, DD Global, DD Global, App Lovin'. And then you get to UEPath. And you just say, remember when Kathy oh, yeah. Woodball had like UiPath? Uh good RX. Oh my god, they're in the t- they're in the teled- David, you and I should set up a Teledoc thing. We'll be, t- you know, doctors of, uh, I don't know, the market. think?
2: let's take a break. We got Chicago, uh, not Chicago, PMI final uh, coming up in a few moments. Take a look at Treasuries. We mentioned the 10-year getting close to three. As for equities, we hit 41.10, new intraday low for the year as the S&P's year-to-date loss is now approaching 15%.
0: Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Rick
2: Santelli here live on the CME HQ with breaking news. Our April final read on the S&P Global Manufacturing PMI, formerly known as the market PMIs. Not to be confused with ISM PMIs coming out at the top of the hour, expecting 597 Well, the final read moves down a bit from 59.7 to 59.2. But it is still a decent read, and it is the highest read since 60.7 in September of last year. We see all interest rates, 2s, 3s, 5s, 7s, 10s, 20s, and 30s, should they close it where they're currently trading, those yields will be new
1: cycle highs across the entire yield curve. Squawk on the Street will return
4: in two minutes.
1: Because the Fed
3: has been so accommodative, we, we've we had to readjust the price level to a higher level. We're never going to take that back. We are now permanently at a higher price level. Yeah. So trying to think that we're going to somehow reverse all of this and go back to where we were, it is not going to happen. I'm afraid that if the Fed sees the economy to begin to stall, that they'll they'll reverse course, just like they did in 2018, and then all of a sudden, they will lose all credibility as an inflation fighter.
2: That's Guggenheim's uh, Scott Minard talking about the Fed potentially uh, pivoting. We'll see what happens, obviously, Jim. But the market's counting on 50, 75, 50, at right. least.
3: And, and I think that's fine. Uh, I, where I disagree, and he's been very right, but the, the grain complex is at the heart of what Americans have been experiencing, and it's peaking, and that's going to help and it's peaking because the speculators are getting out. Now, you typically don't blame the speculators, but they plowed in there as a hedge. If they pull out and we see grains come down, we're going to be able to go to the supermarket and not be blown away. And that's what people are most concerned can, about, not can, the price of steel.
2: Can you say the same thing about equities and, and speculators and prices coming down? No.
3: I mean, I think that what happened is the ETFs are too big versus the the, the actual grains. Uh, the S&P isn't too big. Right. It just happens to be an imbalance.
2: I know you're watching Apple. Uh, they did file some of the Uh, metrics from the quarter. Katie Huberty looked at it this
3: morning. (laughs) I'm just saying how preposterous it is. Gross margins were actually up. It doesn't matter because of the 4 to 8 point billion number. Uh, David, I've got to tell you something. Was anyone really shocked that if you lock down 50 million people in in very very well-off cities that it's not going to hurt business?
0: No, they should not have been shocked. Uh, The lockdowns continue in Shanghai, I believe despite what has been a a, a much lower case rate, I think. Um, Beijing, of course, still on edge in terms of whether that's going to happen or not. But yeah, uh, when you lock down an entire city, those pictures are still just stunning. When you see empty roads in a place like Shanghai with tens of millions of people, you might expect that it's going to have an impact. Although I guess Tesla, he got the factory back up and running, right? Charmed.
3: Uh, indeed, He's a charmed man. Somebody mentioned Twitter, some, uh,
2: and some of the other EV deliveries in China obviously taking a hit from from that lockdown. Yeah.
3: But and they did, you know, they've been propped up the stock market again. Good opportunity to get out. Yeah, don't we fool did, around.
2: We did bounce right off uh, the intraday lows of the year uh, at forty one ten. Let's get to Bob <sighs> Asani. Hey, Bob.
1: Good morning, guys. Uh, Well, uh, mixed open. uh, The high print was right at the open, and we've been bouncing around either side of positive or negative territory ever since. Take a look at the sectors. Consumer discretionary is the weak one because Amazon is down a little bit. Uh right now. So that's the big problem here. Tech, energy, utilities, as you can see, sort of either side of positive or negative uh uh right now. So sort of indeterminate open here. In terms of the big caps, uh Amazon's sitting right at a new low. That's been a major problem for the uh consumer discretionary group. As I mentioned, Tesla's been all over the place. It was a thousand bucks, remember uh April what twenty-fifth or twenty-sixth, so now at eight sixty-seven, Pfizer down. Visa also uh, uh, down a little bit today. So keep an eye on some of those other big cap names. Interestingly, airlines are starting to weaker. You know, remember United uh, or American, rather, was uh, what, $20 just about seven, eight trading sessions ago. So it's uh, below 19 right now. All of them uh, also uh, off of their highs, but uh, still holding up reasonably well. Jim was mentioning the loyal fans of Kathy Wood and, and, and uh, Ark. Uh, we're two-year chart. Just take a look. Of course we're down, eh, maybe 60 percent from where we were a year ago. But in terms of loyalty and I discussed this with her at the ETF conference uh, what's amazing is the share's outstanding with a 60 percent drop in, in the ARKK. The shares are the same compared to a year ago. This is what we mean when we talk about her fiercely loyal following. So she had 186 million shares outstanding in the main fund, ARKK. That was in March of 2021. And today she has 186 million. You would think with a 60% drop, people would be selling it like crazy and they'd have to sell shares. Uh, for redemptions. But no, actually, it's about the same as it was a year ago. That's what people talk about when they say Kathy Woods has a very loyal fo- uh, following. In terms of uh, the markets, uh, the bears obviously are in control of the narrative right now. There is some hope for stability over the weekend. The bulls sort of had various straws they were grasping at, including the oversold conditions. Some were talking about the buyback Uh, Period blackout period for many of these firms where they can't really buy back shares uh, ending, essentially. Some people are pinning their hopes on the April CPI, which is next week. That might show we're at some kind of inflation peak. But obviously the problem is the Fed isn't going to stop moving because of that. So that's not necessarily going to help people out. The bottom line is the bears are still very much in control of the narrative. As for earnings, what's amazing about earnings is the estimates for the quarter, the second quarter, third quarter, and the full year Very little change, really. Six, seven, eight percent gains expected for the year. The problem, of course, is we have very poor visibility, and nobody has much faith in the forward estimates right now. We know the multiple has been compressing from about 21 to about 18. That's why the market is down. But earnings estimates themselves are not coming down dramatically, but obviously the market believes that that's going to happen. So as for what's going on for the market correction, I turn to my old friend Sam Stovall, who points out that, well, we've had a bunch of these. We've had 23 corrections since 1945 of 10 to 20%. That's the range that he looked at, 23 of them. The average drop has been 14%. That is precisely where we are right now. So we're in an average correction right now. Peak to trough, interestingly, and Sam always has something interesting to say about this, it's usually four months, believe it or not. So we're already in our second month, uh, Carl, of that, uh, of that uh, correction. We'll see if that lasts only two months more, but that is. Historic average, Carl. Back to you. All
2: right, Bob. Thank you, I'm Bob Pisani. Let's get to Jim and stop trading this morning.
3: Yeah. Again, I'm trying to figure out where the inflation could peak. There's a very interesting piece out this morning by Needham, uh, literally about CarMax and perhaps the the uh, used car, which we know is very important for the indices. The competition in the used car market is going to bring prices down. So if we have grain compost go down, uh, which is speculative, we have the used car prices go down, and you take a look at some of the auto companies; they're just unbelievable. You're beginning to get copper going down. You're beginning to get a little break here. And I think that those who think that the Fed is beaten aren't looking at the numbers.
2: Interesting. Uh, Certainly used car auction prices down one in early April. Something we'll see if that gets ratified later.
3: Look, we we have to understand that there are components of CPI. It's not just CPI. And when you start looking at these things, and if you get gasoline down, which is really what needed then I think what you'll say is, wow, we're on course. 50, 75, 50 brings us to where we have to be. The, obviously, the speculators are taking the tenure to beyond where I thought I could go right now. The, the, the monumental nature on a percentage basis of what's going on is freaking people out. But I like it. I like it because it's getting rid of all the weak hands. And if someone comes in and buys all the Chevron they want and Oxy and they get that good yield, and next thing you know, you hear Apollo. They're getting a rate of return. And I say, stop panicking. What's tonight? OK, now I've got uh, Best, Bu- Best Buy, which has been a ch- an interesting story. We're going to talk a little more about what they're doing to help people. Uh, Rowan Trulop, uh, he, he had a terrific quarter, 5-9. Tr- Trulop had a great quarter. And then Wahid Nawabi. You talk about the switchblade, the 300, and 600 that Ukraine needs. They're all his. He's from Afghanistan. He knows what has to happen. That's a show to watch. We'll see you at 6,
2: Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
5: Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com.